0: Alright, good evening everybody. Thank you so much for joining me tonight on this Wednesday evening, April 1st, 2020. And I'm so glad that I could be streamed right into your living room, your bedroom, your car, or wherever you're at and watching this from. I want to welcome everybody that is watching from all over the world. My name is David Bendett. I'm the senior pastor here at Rock City Church in Corpus Christi, Texas. Also known as the Body of Christ, I'll remind you that of about ten thousand times for the rest of my life. I'm honored that I get to live in a city named after the Body, although the Body is global. um, It's an honor to be in the South Texas coast on the Gulf of Mexico, the sparkling city by the sea. I love my city a whole lot, so I like to brag about it. God's doing incredible things here, but I also believe He's doing incredible things all over the world, and even in your hometown and in your city. So. Pray for your city, pray for your mayor, pray for your city council, pray for your state, pray for your uh, county judges, pray for everyone that's in positions of authority that are making huge decisions during this crazy time that we live in. I firmly believe that God calls us to possess the city gates and to take territory. It's a promise that's inside of every covenant promise that was given to us through all of the patriarchs in the Old Testament, all the way through the life of Jesus today, that we are called to take territory and advance the kingdom of God all over the world. That happens by what's inside of us coming out of us. True ministry is transference of life. And that's why you have to have life inside of you. And the kingdom of God does not come with uh, external observation, but it comes from what's inside of our hearts. The kingdom of God is within us. And so to advance the kingdom of God, it means that we rescue lives and we transform the hearts of families, mamas and papas and sons and daughters, grandparents, aunts, uncles, one house, one city block, one neighborhood, one city at a time. We go house to house and we transfer the hearts and transform the hearts and minds of people through bringing the love of Jesus and causing people, and hopefully all of you, to know Jesus the way that I do and the way that He wanted us to know Him. And so I'm excited that I get to be streamed into your house. I think these are exciting times. I'm not at all dissuaded or discouraged by what's happening with the local church. Though I do want to say right off the bat that God gives us houses of worship for a reason and for a purpose. And I understand that a lot of people are like, oh, the church has left the building. And in a lot of ways, the church did need to leave the building so that we could be the church in the community that we were supposed to be. However, when churches are doing things right and doing the kingdom right, they're going to grow because the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And you have to understand that God uses houses of worship to train and equip and send people into the nations, to build families, to network, connect, and to impart into people's lives so that we can go into the greater work that he's called us to do. Even in the early days of the Apostle Paul's missionary journeys, he planted churches. And so God gives us churches, leaders, pastors, the fivefold ministry, all for a reason, and it's to train and equip. This is a different time now as we all face COVID-19, but this is going to be unsustainable in the long run. People need personal touch, they need connection, they need relationships, they need communication, and God defines us and measures us by our relationships and how well we do them, first with Him and then with one another. The greatest commandment is to first love the Lord with everything inside of us, all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor likewise, and that requires personal, physical contact and touch. Now, right now, I'm in a firm believer that we need to do all that we can as the local church to stand against the pandemic of COVID-19, but I also understand that in the long run, this is not going to be a sustainable model, but... I think it's pretty cool right now that I get to speak to you in the comfort of your home with your family. This gets recorded for uh, a legacy of generations to be heard, and you also get to hear from a lot of incredible ministers that are rising up during this time, making their voice heard boldly and confidently, and are growing more into who they're called to be. So I'm pretty fired up. I'm pretty excited. Uh, If you've known me for any period of time, you know that I stay pretty fired up. Even in sobering somber times. There's this, there's this understanding that God calls us to be victorious and calls us to walk in the victory that he already provided on the cross and to understand that the devil's defeated and that in hard times we become strong. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that tonight, especially as we talk about this one little word that's very important for you to know in the Bible. It's the word peril. And we're going to talk about peril here in just a moment. But also, God disciplines us, and God causes us to call sacred, somber assemblies. He calls us to fast and pray and weep and mourn with those that are weeping and mourning. And this is one of the most difficult hours that the nations and the entire world and many of you have ever faced, including myself. And I don't take it lightly. Yes, I'm an optimist. Yes, I'm an encourager. Yes, I always see the positive out of hardship, but that's only come by overcoming a lot of hardship and peril. And my prayer for you is that through this, you will grow stronger, is that through this, you'll come out on the backside and know Jesus better than you knew him before, or maybe meet him for the first time. And my prayer is that we don't turn a blind eye to what's really happening, that we genuinely get on our knees and pray, that we comfort and weep and mourn with those that are hurting, There are thousands of lives that have been lost already through COVID-19, over 4,000 lives, and the estimated projections are in the hundreds of thousands. Now, I want you to know how I feel about that as a man of faith. I want you to know how I believe the body of Christ should be responding through all of this. First off, I want to say that we have to listen to what the Lord is saying. There are so many voices that are talking about what God is saying during this time, including my own. And if you're not careful, you're going to hear what everybody else is saying, and you're not going to hear what the Lord is saying. I'm thankful that you're listening to me right now. It's an honor and a privilege for me. But I also want more than anything for you to hear God's voice. I want you to know His Word. I want you to know what He's saying during this time. God has a message for each one of us individually, directly from him. There's a story that's being built in your life and in my own life. I already can see a week, two weeks, a month, and even a year from this now. I have insights and understandings, and God will give those same things to you. The greatest insight and understanding is that this is going to pass. And what will, the have, what will the lesson be that we've learned through this time when we look back and go, man, That was hard, but it was also a beautiful time because the Lord saw me through it. Now people are dying and people are sick and there's a lot of fear out there and I don't take that lightly. My heart breaks for the thousands and thousands of family members that are hurting right now because a loved one has passed away due to COVID-19. I don't want anybody to die. And my prayer is that this pandemic would stop and I want you to know that I get it. The CDC, our president, the medical professionals are all projecting this incredible increase. And I realize, you know, that may happen of cases and possible deaths. But the word of faith says something different. People that speak by faith and confidently from the Lord speak something different. And I don't want to turn a blind eye to the reality of what's happening, but at the same time, I have confident faith to speak Against these kind of statistics and numbers and what I want to believe for is that when this is said and done The numbers were not what the government or the CDC or the medical professionals have even said they could become And I believe that they even hope for that too Maybe they're shooting high with the hope that it would come in substantially lower any loss of life is a tragedy any loss of life is a tragedy but at the same time We should be rising up in these times confidently and boldly because we have the Word of God inside of us and we have the ability to make and create and build houses and families and the kingdom of God on earth. I talked about that this last Sunday in my message titled Speak to the Storm. At some point, you have to rise up and boldly declare out of your mouth what you believe God is saying and doing and it's got to produce life and health not death and destruction. And it doesn't mean that death and destruction doesn't happen. And it doesn't mean that hardship doesn't happen. And we're going to talk about hardship tonight. We're going to talk about suffering. We're going to talk about adversity. Sadly, too many people do not have a theology for suffering. And the theology of suffering does not negate the word of faith. The word of faith is confident. Romans chapter 10 talks about the fact that the word is in our mouth. It's in our heart, roughly verses five and six and seven. Talk about the fact that we speak a confident word that says, I can hear God's voice now because I have Christ in my life. I don't have to send a minister or a preacher the way that the people told told Moses, you go up the mountain and hear from God for us. We now have Jesus in our life. The cross has happened. The resurrection has happened. The Holy Spirit has been given. These are new, powerful times for all of us to rise up and hear God's voice clearly and not be sidetracked by what everybody else is saying. I'm beseeching or begging or pleading with you to please make it your priority to sit at the feet of Jesus, carve out time Stop being consumed by the news feeds from earth and what everybody else is saying, even the preachers and the ministers and even my own self, even though I believe and so many others believe they have the word of the Lord right now. You've got to learn to hear God's voice for yourself and you also have to allow it to be measured because God gives a lot of people words and it fits in the context of so many other things. I only get a part. You only get a part. So we need each other. We need each other to water the word. We need each other to cultivate the word. We need each other to m- measure the word. That's why discipleship and accountability in the kingdom is so important. We don't need lone ranger ministers right now. We need people that are working in tandem together with other powerful voices and fathers and mothers and a family in the body of Christ to put the pieces of the puzzle together. I get a piece of the puzzle. You get a piece of the puzzle. And all of us put the puzzle together to create God's perfect plan, God's perfect tapestry, God's perfect painting, God's perfect design on earth as it is in heaven. And so with that, what I want to say to you is that we need to not come into agreement with the words that are being said about the loss of life and death and destruction. Here's why. I firmly believe That we, as God's authority on earth, as the body of Christ, can be his mouthpiece to speak against the death and the destruction and the loss of life. That's why we have to make prophetic declarations and prophesy to the storm, prophesy to COVID-19, prophesy life, prophesy God's promises, prophesy the laying down of idolatry in people's lives, prophesy that people will turn from their wicked ways. The Day one from this pandemic, several, several weeks ago on a Sunday morning, I, t- I preached a message titled, um, well, gosh, I don't even remember what it was titled now, but I talked about the fact that we have to humble ourselves. It was from 2 Corinthians 7.14. We have to humble ourselves, pray, but also turn from our wicked ways. And and before I even dive into this message tonight, I feel this urgency inside of me to plead with you to lay down any sin patterns and dysfunctional things in your life that are contrary to God's design. And if you need help, reach out to somebody that loves Jesus and get the help in your life. We've got to lay down the destructive things that have put our nation and the nations of the world into turmoil. Whether it's Idolatry from worshiping all these different gods, whether it's pornography, whether it's entertainment, whether it's sports, whatever it is, whether it's your own work, listen to me. If anything has come before the Lord in your life, it's idolatry. Idolatry, simply put, is not necessarily me actively worshiping entertainment or sports. And I like sports and I like entertainment. I hate pornography. That's a very, very clear idolatry in God's eyes and very dark and demonic and deceptive. But what I'm saying to you is that anything that's gotten into your life that's come before Him, you have got to lay it down. Please hear me tonight. You can do it. I have had to do it. Millions of believers all over the world have done it. I'm asking you to put Jesus first in your life. And I'm asking you to turn away from the sin patterns that have easily ensnared you. This is a very important time. And if we want to see God's supernatural power intervene and drive back the the statistics of death and destruction in our land, it always starts with humility and repentance. Repent. The word repent means to change the way you think. Once you shift your thought pattern you'll change the way that you live. So when I change the way I think about something, I will turn away from it and walk the other way. And my desire is to influence you in the way that you think and to live your life upright in the midst of this, no matter how hard it gets. And that's why I'm going to talk about peril tonight. Because if you don't get an understanding about overcoming hardship and peril, and I talk a lot about standing against the storm, but I understand when these types of times come, it's designed to beat you back and get you to abate, meaning to stop advancing and to stop being so passionate and vigorous and fired up and aggressive about God's word, God's life in your own life and in your own family and to give in. Now's not the time to give in. Come on, you can do it. And I'll fight together with you. You're not alone in this. You're not alone in this. Whether you're at home by yourself, you're still not alone. We have Jesus We have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We have this technology to reach into our homes, and this is going to pass. I challenge you to use this as a time to dig deep. Dig deep. Dig past false religion. Dig past false ideologies. Dig past all these other things that have distracted you. Dig past the news feeds and all the TV and all the the, the things that we're seeing even online. And get into solitude with Jesus. It's going to pass, and when it passes, what will we have dug out? What will we have grown from during this time? So I challenge you in that time. Let's speak against the the statistics and the estimations of hundreds of thousands of lives being lost. Can we do that right now? Will you agree with me right in your home that we can, as the body of Christ and God's authority on earth, as it is in heaven, I believe right now a declaration from little old me and little old you but mighty in Jesus right in your home, your condo, your apartment, your trailer, wherever it is you're at that our voice together as the body of Christ can resound through the atmospheres, resound through the heavens and circle the globe cuz we're and we're not the only ones. Trust me, we're coming into agreement with millions of believers that are praying, healthcare professionals and workers that are praying. To stop COVID-19. So let's pray right now. Jesus, we send up our prayers to you as incense on earth. To the heavens. We ask that you would hear the cry of our heart tonight. That you would capture our prayers from our homes, from this church, from this stream. And from the believers and the sons and daughters all over the globe. That you would stop COVID-19. That Lord, life would bring life would come against death. And in where there has been death, life would come just as it did when you gave your life on the cross thousands of years ago. Lord, we speak resurrection power in the midst of it, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of infirmities, in the midst of weakness, God. We declare that life will come out of this. And we pray that the statistics that have been spoken out, that 100,000 people will die or 200,000 people will die that those statistics are going to be a lie, and that actually it's going to be far less, far less than what they've said. And we ask God for even a supernatural miracle from heaven on earth, that, Lord, an answer would come to stop it however it needs to come, Lord, whether it's through modern medicine, whether it's through the healthcare community, but most importantly, God poured out from heaven, and may the whole earth know that you stepped in and intervened. And may we as the body of Christ rise up in confidence as your sons and daughters, as your ambassadors. We are, authorita- we are the authority and the representation of you on earth as it is in heaven. So I speak to the body of Christ and I say rise up. Rise up, sons and daughters. Rise up, fivefold ministers. Rise up, every function and every nature on earth that bears the name of Jesus Christ and speak boldly and confidently against the deceptive lies. Lord, may we not fall prey to fear, but rather stand on your word and know that our lives are fully in the palm of your hand. And I pray that for everybody all over the earth. And for those that are sick with COVID-19, God, I ask for miraculous healings, Lord. Keep the statistics going of recoveries, miraculous recoverings of even the elderly that should have not have made it, made it because they laid claim to your name. That's our prayer, God. And my prayer, Lord, is even those that seem to be on the verge of death and that might pass away, God, may they know you so they spend eternity with you. But really, Lord, what I ask for is... A healing movement now that will come to the body of Christ. Not just Rock City, but every city and every church in my city and the churches all over the world that lay claim to your name and know you. Lord, I ask that you would release a healing movement now all over the world. I believe for it. I've heard it. I've seen it as well as so many others, God. And we're, we're not good enough in our own strength to make it happen, Lord. We're not even that smart. So somehow, way, God, we say yes to your word and your promise and your plan on earth. And we thank you, Lord God, that you will release life through us in these last days. You, your desires that no one would perish. So God, use us to demonstrate your acts all over the world so that people could know your ways. I ask for the gift of healing to be poured out supernaturally on the body of Christ all over the world. Through our song, through our preaching, through the internet, through the however it needs to come, God, with your presence pouring out right into the homes and the hearts of people that are watching right now. God, I thank you, Lord, that a prophetic generation is being birthed right now. And that we are right in the birth pains of a supernatural movement all over the earth, despite the statistics, despite what's happening all over the world. And we pray right right now, God, for New York City. We pray for Louisiana. We even pray for California, God. We pray for every nation that's hurting, that's shut down right now. And we ask that, Lord... That the fragrance of your glory and your power would be manifested through the streets, through the homes, through the apartments while we have everybody's attention gone. While everybody's attention is fixated right now all over the world. Let it be fixated upon you, Jesus. More than the White House, more than the government, more than the news feeds. And we don't want to be naive to the, to the times around us. But we want to make sure that we are not naive to what you're saying and doing and who you've called us to be and how you've called us to walk and the authority you've called us to have and the way you've called us to live and speak with boldness and confidence and authority. Woo! We thank you, God. And I'm in agreement with everybody that's on this feeder that watches. May we all be unified in our prayers, God. We humble ourselves. We are not good enough. We are not worthy. But because of the cross and the blood and because you dwell in us, you, Lord, cause us to do good and you cause us to be worthy because of the blood, because of the blood of Jesus. And Lord, we stand firmly on the blood of Jesus, God. The blood that heals, the blood that has all the antibodies against viruses and sickness and disease. And I thank you that there's life in your blood. Bring us back to the understanding of the inauguration of the new covenant the blood that was shed on the cross to bring the remission of sins and healing and life to people's lives. I thank you, Lord God, for the blood of Jesus. And I thank you that it's marked on our houses, our hearts, our lives, and that the spirit of death will not have its way with us, but rather will drive back the gates of hell and the spirit of death because we're the life force on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, God, that we can commune with you, pray with you, come into agreement with you. Thank you, Lord God, that you're raising us up in this time, in this hour, to pray like we've never prayed before, no matter how long it takes, no matter what somebody else says. Lord, I call forth powerful, effective, fervent prayers in the hearts of righteous men and women all over the world, in your homes, in your bedrooms, with your kids. Declare the promises and the greatness of God. No matter what your employer said. No matter what your checking account says. No matter what your neighbor says. No matter what the TV says. Because what we say is a better word. We speak a better word according to the blood of Jesus. It's not vengeance and death and destruction. It's life and healing and power in the midst of it all. Thank you, Lord God, that you've given us a weapon like no other weapon. It's the weapon of your word and coming into agreement with your word and constant communion and prayer and discussions and reasoning with you together through the process of what we face on earth. We worship you, we love you, we magnify you. Jesus, Jesus, you are the center of it all. Bring us back to you and you alone. May we be the reward of your inheritance and may you get it all now because of what you did on that cross thousands of years ago, when you took our hurt, our pain, our shame, our iniquities, our sins, our failures, our disgrace, all of the things that we deserved, you took it for us, God. And now, because of that act, may you get your reward and your inheritance back. I say yes to that, and I challenge every single person watching right now to say, Lord, may I be your reward. Woo! Yeah! Just say it, Lord, I want to be your reward. Take me. I'm yours. And anything you want, I want. And may we never be afraid to pray confidently. And may we never be afraid to pray long. I don't care how long it takes. This is not a time for short little pretty prayers. But it's also not a time to try to fill our words with our own thoughts. We want to come into agreement with God's word and what he says and the blood that's living and speaks a better word. And as we head into Passover, I promise you, God has a setup for all of us. This is a setup. And as we head into Passover, we're going to become even more confident in the Jesus, our Passover lamb, and the rescuing and delivering from bondage and slavery. And I firmly believe that COVID-19, God will do this flip, ninja flip on it, and what was meant for harm and destruction will actually produce life. And I firmly believe that you're going to see a new exodus. And I declare a new exodus today. I declare a new exodus. But instead of Moses, we got Jesus. And Jesus is going to lead us out of Egypt and lead us out of Babylon. And he's going to lead us through the river suffering into the promised land. There is an exodus that's happening. Do not complain Do not let your hearts falter. Do not grow weak and weary in this time, but rather look for the miraculous, the cloud by day and the fire by night, the manna from heaven. God is pouring out revelation in these last days like never before. You've got to see and understand a deliverance is taking place right now. There is a deliverance coming forth all over the earth. It's a birthing of a new generation and it will actually come out of the adversity and the hardship and the the darkness of COVID-19. You will see it, mark my words. It's already happening to me and it's already happening to people over the world. You can't try to explain it. All you can do is say yes and become it. God is setting the captives free out out of Egypt. And the greatest thing he's setting us free from is a master-slave understanding about God. You'll either see God as master-slave, or you'll see him as father-son, or bride-groom-bride. And God wants you to see him in a new light, and the wilderness, and the desert, and the hardship, and the difficulties that seem to be all around us will actually produce new life and a new understanding inside of you. So don't harden your heart. Don't be rebellious. Come on. I'm so fired up about this. We can do this together as a family, as a body. Turn from wicked ways. Don't be in disbelief. Don't think that God's not moving. The lie of the devil will be well, if God's real, where's he at now? Why is this happening? Again, I've heard that for so my whole life. And what I understand is we have an eternal mindset. You've got to think with eternity in your heart. No matter what happens on earth, the journey has only begun. Eternity starts now, but it's never ending. No matter what happens on earth. So I love you. Be confident. Be bold. Be in agreement. Stand firm. Pray. Turn from your wicked ways. Seek the face of God during these times. Because He can be found easily and mightily. I promise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Woo! That wasn't even my message for tonight. But uh, that was a little tidbit for you of just some authentic, raw passion inside my heart during this time. Uh, Before we dive into this short word that I have for you, I want to talk to you about money. And you say, well, pastor, you know, of course you're going to talk about money. Some of you probably think pastors, all they ever want to talk about is money. That's not true. You have to understand that God provides for us and takes care of us with resources, and one of those resources is finances. And I know that right now is a difficult time. I've never, ever made this church about money, and it's not about money today. That's why, as I speak to you right now, I have great news for you, is that our church has had money in savings. We prepared and planned, as many other churches did, but at the same time, I'm not worried about it. I know that our giving has gone down some, but here's the great news we're still able to do what we're called to do and we're still able to take care of those that are working here, working hard night and day to reach people's lives and pay our bills. And I wanna say thank you for that. I wanna say thank you for giving. Now I know other churches that their giving's down 75, 80%. Please, I'm asking you, if you are watching this and you are part of another local church, please give to your local church. I'm asking you to do that. But if you don't have a home church, and you like what you're hearing and seeing from here, and you'd like to help support us. We have more and more people asking for help with groceries now. We're going to start to see people needing help with other great responsibilities like medications, food, basic bills. So I would like to ask you to partner together with us because our resources together are a lot more effective than just by ourselves. The church is always God's answer on earth in the midst of crisis. So, I want to ask you to please give, and you can easily give right from your home. And there's three ways that you can do that. One way is that you can text from your smartphone, 77977, and you type in Rock City Corpus, Rock City Corpus in all caps, and you can set up an account where you can just give right from your phone. Also, you can give from our website, which is rockcitycorpus.com. There are several Rock City churches across the nation. And so we ours is rockcitycorpus.com, and then also you can mail in a check 10309. Our address is 10309 South Padre Island Drive, Corpus Christi, Texas 78418. Checks can be made out to Rock City Church. You can mail one in. I want to say thank you for giving. I want to say thank you so much that during these times we're all making the sacrifice to see the work of God continue on Earth. And I really appreciate you guys doing that. So I bless you. I bless your finances, and I bless your future. Even if you've gotten laid, up, laid off, I want to challenge you to know that Jesus is Lord and to trust Him like you've never trusted Him before. What an incredible opportunity to see the faithfulness of God shine in your life, especially when you had nothing to do with it. You didn't screw up. You didn't mess up. You didn't cause it. You didn't get fired. We're all in the same boat. What an awesome opportunity right now When all the odds in the natural seem against you to demonstrate the faithfulness of God in your life. I want you to see it that way. Will you do that with me? Because that's how I'm doing it. Amen. Tonight, I want to share a short message with you titled, A Perilous Journey. There's a word that I've been thinking a lot about in the context of COVID-19. And it's the word peril. Peril. And I want to share some scriptures with you in the context of peril to hopefully bring you into an understanding that the Christian life, no matter how you slice it and dice it, will always be like Jesus' life was. Jesus is our example. Jesus is our hero. Jesus is our role model. Jesus is the life that we pattern our lives after. And his life is more relevant today than it's ever been. And Jesus lived a perilous life. He faced constant perils. He always had people that wanted to kill him. He always had threats against his life. He had people with every kind of sickness and disease flocking after him, chasing him down. The hungry, the hurting, the broken. He had restless nights. He didn't really have a consistent steady home. He was constantly a man of sorrows. But that didn't mean he didn't have joy. And that didn't mean that he wasn't doing what God called him to do. And as you're facing maybe a lot of sorrows and hardship right now, I want to give you an understanding of a right perspective and a right paradigm of how we deal with difficult hardship, sorrow, and peril. And I talk about it all the time, and there's lots of different ways, especially in the context of finding comfort in Jesus and His presence and worship and all those things, and those are all relevant and true. But I want to talk to you about it from this context. The Apostle Paul, who was once a murderer, who was a religious Pharisee, who was incredibly brilliant when it came to the law and God's word from the Old Testament, the guy was brilliant. He was educated, he was smart, he was a teacher, And when Christendom first came onto the scene after Jesus resurrected and the disciples began to spread the word, he was a persecutor of the early church. Now, many of you know this, but there's some people that are watching that may not know this or have read their Bible. And this man, Paul, was actually responsible for murdering and persecuting and imprisoning Christians in the early days. And so, Paul, the Apostle Paul, would have an incredible conversion, God would blind him by the light, and he would literally have an encounter with Jesus directly, and in turn he would become one of the greatest ministers in the New Testament church. In fact, 13 of the New Testament books of the Bible were written by the Apostle Paul. Paul would constantly deal with false ministers that were boasting about their greatness when in fact They were actually false preachers. Paul would constantly have to uh, deal with and refute and even compete against people that would lay claim to knowing Jesus or ministers of the gospel that were actually false ministers and they were actually wolves in sheep's clothing. And we see a lot of that today. That's why you have to be careful what you see on TV. You have to be careful of all the different voices that are on YouTube You got to know the word of God for yourself. And so Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 is talking about these people that are boasting and actually speaking negative of him to try to defeat him and drive him back. It was ugly. And the sad reality is, is we see a lot of that in the modern church today. But I want to tell you that that's shifting. Yes, there's been a lot of doctrinal divisiveness in the church. Yes, it seems like the church has been so scattered and against each other. And in so many ways, sadly, it has. But God is even using this to unite the church. Today, I was on a call with over 13 senior pastors on a Zoom call. And then after that, I was on with over 50 senior pastors talking with uh, Judge Barbara Canales, here, our county judge here in New County. And tomorrow at 3.33 in the afternoon... I will be hosting a citywide pastor's call with hopefully over 20 local senior pastors where we will get on Facebook Live and pray together. I want to ask you to watch that call and to agree with all these senior pastors as we unite churches together. And so you're starting to see this shift where the churches are realizing, look, we don't have a choice but to get united together. We cannot be competitive and divisive now. And I've never wanted that. But God is tearing down, dividing walls, and bringing the body of Christ together. You mark my words, you're going to see it. And the people that are in it for the wrong reasons, the false ministers, the false preachers, all the people that have wrong motives and intentions, and mark my words, there's a lot of them out there. Here's what's going to happen. And this should be your prayer. God changed their heart. Show yourself in a dream or a vision. Wake them up, God. Turn them around just like you turned the Apostle Paul around. And Lord, if they aren't willing to turn around or they really are wolves in sheep's clothing, then move them out of their position so that they can represent your heart properly. And the churches that are hungry and desperate and the pastors that are hungry and desperate to bring life to their congregations and communities, Lord, we pray that you would bring us together in unity as one body, all over the world. Lots of expressions, lots of natures and functions, but one body all over the world. Will you guys pray for that? Because that's what I'm praying for. And my heart's to see great unity. But in Paul's day, you had this great conflict. And what was happening was Paul was constantly exposing false preachers of those days. And he would specifically talk about those that would bring people into bondage. And in 2 Corinthians 11, if you read this chapter, Paul's talking about these ministers that instead of bringing life and freedom and health to people's lives, they're actually putting them into bondage, devouring them, they're taking from them, they're exalting themselves, and they're putting people into shame. And so Paul says, here's my answer to those people. If I'm going to boast... It's not going to be about how great I am. It's not going to be about all my miraculous signs and wonders. Instead, I'm going to boast in overcoming adversity and hardship and what a real minister, a real believer, a real Christian will face in their life. And as much as I wish you'd never go through persecution or hardship or have to face situations like we're all facing now, that's just simply not biblical and not true. You've got to understand that God allows us to face hardships and suffering so that we can become stronger, know his love, know who he is, grow closer to him, and represent that on earth. That's why I believe God allowed Satan to come to this earth and calls him the God of this world. That Satan is actually a pawn in God's plan and scheme to actually show us how great, how loved, and how powerful Jesus is in us over the enemy. Who's already defeated, by the way? Amen? So Paul would often face comparison from others, and so he would answer it this way. He would respond by his testimony. He would respond by his hardships, difficulties, and peril. That's why I say to you, listen, there's something about a weathered soul or a man or a woman who has had to overcome something. God is in the overcoming and we grow stronger and more confident and lead with more authority in the context of overcoming together with Jesus. Now everybody's gotta start somewhere. All of us had to first overcome our past when we said yes to Jesus and got born again. And we still have to give you know, young believers and young Christians opportunities to share their story, to grow in their faith, to teach, and to preach some. But you gotta be careful that we don't entrust people that have not bore fruit in their life or are novices. Paul instructed Timothy, don't entrust the work of the ministry to a novice. And that word novice is a sapling tree or plant that's yet to bear fruit. And mark my words, a tree that is bearing fruit over an extended period of time has faced droughts, hardship, wind, floods, and difficulties in its life. And it's the same for us. So I'm going to talk to you about peril. The word peril means, simply put, danger, or serious and immediate danger. I'm talking about this because I feel like we are facing a very serious and immediate danger. And now's the time for us to get a proper understanding in how to deal with it. It's the dangers and difficulties that arise from a particular situation or activity. It's suffering for Christ. Every Christian will have to overcome perilous situations. Suffering and adversity in their life, sadly, are inevitable, but it's actually not so sad if you know how to respond in the proper way. And so if we're going to boast, we should boast in the strength God gives us in the midst of weakness and hardship. You have to remember the American dream is not God's dream. God has a different plan than we often set in place. And I'm not against saving. I'm not against buying things. I'm not against having stuff. I'm not against uh, putting money into the stock market. I'm not against um, mutual funds. I'm not against life insurance policies, IRAs. I'm not against those things. But in the kingdom of God, one, you never retire. Number two, everything we have belongs to him and should be used for his glory. And having stuff isn't always a promise from God. Sometimes God brings us through difficult times where it seems like we lose things or we don't have things or he pries them out of our hands. Now being prosperous is a promise from God, but we've got to get our eyes off material possessions and the things of this world and get them on Jesus. And if we get things, like I have things that I enjoy and that I like, I always realize that God gave them to me to be enjoyed and for his pleasure and for my own pleasure, but to never hang on so tightly to them, and to even use them to glorify Him. So let's look at Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verses twenty-three through thirty. 2 Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty-three through thirty, and he's talking about all these other people, and he says right off the bat, "Are they are they ministers of Christ?" The answer is no. He so, he says, "I speak of a fool." He says, "They say I'm way more, and I'm going to even." Just, di- just lower myself, decrease myself, and say, look, I'm going to speak as a fool right now. He says, I'm more. How? In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils of city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Eight times he uses the word peril. Danger, 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 danger. I experience it in so many levels and so many facets. Verse 27. In weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. That sure doesn't sound like the typical prosperity American gospel. What it sounds like to me is that hardship and persecution and danger, just as Jesus faced, is something that we will always face. But our response and how we handle it is critical what I love about what I just read to you is Paul overcame them all now I don't want you to go through all of those things and I hope I don't have to go through all those things but what I do know is we all have to overcome hardship and adversity somebody passes away jobs get lost marriages struggle hardships happen children's don't, children don't do the things that we think they should or they spin out and they go prodigal on us whatever it is and I don't want those things to happen and I'm not confessing those things But what I do know as a pastor in the trenches fighting every day is that those things can happen. What's most important is that if we're going to face peril, we face it for who we are, not necessarily what we've done contrary to God's plan. I don't want to face peril because I jacked it up and blew it up. If I'm going to face peril, I want to face it because I stood firm in the face of adversity as a Christian. And I'm telling you, God has a way of leading us through danger and peril to teach us the overcoming, and COVID-19 will be one of those. The church will come out stronger. The church will come out stronger, and so will you. I firmly believe that. But I want you to notice something really powerful here in verse 28. Paul says, besides all those things that I've had to overcome, and all the peril and all the danger, he says, besides all those things, What's really brutally hard for me is what I'm dealing with every single day. And he says this powerful thing, my deep concern for all the churches. And what's been happening with me is this burning passion for the churches of our cities. Not just me. Many other pastors in the city feel this burden for one another. And we have to have a burden for the churches on earth, for God's agenda, God's plan. Instead of being so happy that it's shut down, so happy that they don't have to meet. And I understand some of the benefits of all those things, but you have to understand there are very real churches in it for very real reasons that are suffering hardship, persecution, and difficulties during this time. You've gotta be a unifier, not a divider. Let God God deal with his house. He's the high priest over the house of God. What we've gotta do is come in line with his agenda. And Paul is saying my greatest daily burden wasn't the shipwreck it wasn't the lies, it wasn't the slander, it wasn't the wilderness, it wasn't with my own people, it wasn't with robbers, it wasn't with sleepless nights, it wasn't when I was hungry and thirsty. What's really weighing on me is this daily burden of God's people. That shows where his heart's at. Because when you get a burden for God's bride, when you get a burden for God's people, when you become a real fisher of men, you will find your real calling. Because it's not your job. Your job can feed into God's greater calling, and that doesn't mean that we should lay our jobs down. But what it means is we're all called to be fishers of men on earth. And we use our resources and our businesses. I use my coffee shops. We use the the tent-making jobs that God gives us to fuel His purposes on earth. And that's why there must be this burden for the churches on earth. He's saying for all the churches. This is houses of worship. Not He didn't say my, my burdens for the church of God all over the world, the people. He's saying it's for the churches, especially the ones he's planted, that when hardship and adversity comes, that they could be knocked out or beat down. I just talked with my good friend Heather Burnham at the Hub North Shore in New Orleans with what they're dealing with with COVID-19 and what's happened to her, her church. The giving has gone down 75 to 80% and they are in ICU mode. In her church that shouldn't be brothers and sisters that shouldn't be body of Christ we should rally behind the the churches and the houses that really love God and are working hard to do the right thing during this time and I know God will take care of her but it's still it's still a burden for me and what about the churches of my own city during this time this isn't about us and no more this is about a body a family a people And I I will tell you right now, it's never been about a building. It's never been about our shopping center. It's never been about your church building. And I know some people may have made it like that, and I get it. Some have been entertainment and shows, and those need to stop. But at the same time, you have to understand, God builds houses to build families. Woo! Never forget that. So he says, my deep concern for all the churches. And then he says this, who is weak and I'm not weak. All of us are weak. All of us are dependent upon God. But in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. He says, who is made to stumble? And I don't burn with indignation. Here's what he's saying. He said, what really hacks me off, what really ticks me off more than anything is when people are making other people go astray and stumble. I hate that. That's injustice in the land. The pedophiles. The pimps, the johns, the gang leaders, the organized crime that's bringing hurt and pain and destruction to people's lives. And I hate it when it makes other people stumble. But I also want to see those people get saved. He saved Paul, he saved me, and he saved you. And so let's believe that God will move mightily in our cities and rescue the most darkest, hurting and broken people. And then check this out, verse 30, Paul says, if I'm going to boast, what am I going to boast in? I'm going to boast in the things which concern my infirmity, which is weakness. It's powerful. What if you use this time to discover really how weak you are and in turn discover really how great God is in the midst of your weakness? It's powerful. Let me put it in greater context for you. Second Corinthians chapter 12, Paul goes on to say this. This is really an incredible understanding, and it's one I've meditated on a lot. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. I'll break it down for you as we go. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. Now let me ask you, does God want you to have abundant revelation? Yes. Does he want you to get prideful and exalt yourself? No. And the level of revelation that God's pouring out in these days is incredible. What I'm watching on my own friends' uh, Facebook lives and what I'm hearing from people and my own mentors and fathers and spiritual leaders, I'm like blown away. It's incredible revelation. I believe that you have some of the best access to God's heartbeat like you've never had before. But the problem is, is if you use it to exalt yourself. Because Jesus never exalted himself. The Father would exalt him, and the way he would really get exalted would be through the death on the, uh, death on the cross. The fastest way to get exalted is to just die now. And to never have this desire inside your heart to be exalted or to be famous. Does God exalt his people? Yes, he does. Does God raise up people with great names and great leaders? Absolutely. Could God raise you up? Absolutely. Could God raise me up? Absolutely. But our desire is not to be famous. Our desire is to make him famous. Our desire is not to be known. It's to make him known. And then to be the reward. And if God wants to raise me up, great. It's not about those other things. And so Paul says, because of these abundance of revelations. Now this will mess up your theology. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. And let me tell you how I read this. I read this that the devil trying to accuse you, hold you back, that's like a a thorn in my flesh or a constant nuisance, because guess what? I'm not immune to accusations. You're not immune to lies of the devil. You're not immune to him trying to tell you these things. You just have to learn how to combat them and to let it roll off your back like water on a duck's back. And you have to have this understanding that God wants to give you supernatural revelation. He doesn't want you to think yourself greater than you should and exalt yourself. And God still allows all of us to have to stand against things like depression. It knocks on my door. I just don't let it take root. There's times that I think about quitting or it's not worth it or I'm not having an effect or or there's struggles and challenges. The devil tries to get me to doubt what God's doing and if and buts and all these things. We all have to fight the good fight of faith together. That's like a thorn in the flesh. Yes, God wants you to have revelations, but you have to understand that God has already defeated the devil and he's only being used as a pawn in his perfect plan so that one, we can stay humble at all times. We must stay humble at all times. So look what Paul says. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. What would you rather have? Abundance of revelation or perfect strength from God? Woo! That's powerful. I'm telling you, I'd rather have God's perfect strength, even more so than an abundance of revelation. People are, I get it, we're popping like popcorn. Popcorn. But I'd rather be a rock-solid anchor in in the midst of a storm and be strong with Jesus and in the lordship and headship of Christ for my family, for my church, for you, for my staff. I'd rather be a pillar in the house of God than to have all the books and all the revelation that heaven can provide. And you should too. And you know how you get God's perfect strength? Through weakness. So look what he says. Therefore, most gladly... I would rather boast in my infirmities. Why? So that the power of God would come upon me. This is so contrary to so much of the American gospel. I'm actually going to boast in my hardships and my adversity. I'm preaching messages on storms. So many are talking about overcoming and what they've gone through, standing against this darkness. And all, and all of it, we're really weak. Because God uses the weak things of this world to confound the wise. Me. You, we are in a sense, even though we're the representation of the body of Christ, we're only strong in Him. In ourselves, we're weak. And in my weakness, what happens? God's strength is made perfect so that His power would be manifest in my life, and actually God's power rests upon me. God's power rests upon you. Power to do what? I firmly believe we have the power to heal COVID-19. I believe it. I firmly believe we have the power to heal AIDS, cancer, and all kinds of sicknesses of disease. You want to know why I believe that? Because Jesus did it. And where's Jesus? He's living on the inside. He's living on the inside of you if you're born again. So we have a full-grown Jesus, and we have the gifts of the Spirit. And what we've got to do is lean in and not shrink back. And if that means i got to wear a face mask and gloves, I'll wear a face mask and gloves. I don't know what it's going to look like. Am I practicing social distancing? Yes. But do I still have to go to the store to get things? Yes, I do. And I'm not going to walk in fear that if I touch the keypad or this something, I'm going to do the best I can to protect my family. But I'm also going to make sure that I'm not walking in fear and shrinking back. And I actually will lean in and believe that I can bring healing and life in the midst of it. And I actually believe we can heal people right through the computer, right through the cameras, right through the live feeds. Let's have enough faith to believe that God's present, who's omnipresent all over the world, can hit somebody right in their home. And if you know somebody that's sick or battling any kind of disease or gets COVID-19, I'm going to throw out a double dog dare to you right now. You get on that Facebook with them or you get on a call or you do a FaceTime and you declare life and healing and power by the blood of Jesus and comfort and encourage and fight for life all the way every day. That's my challenge to you. And so the power of God rests on us in the context of weakness. Boast in that. If we're going to boast, let's boast in that. What have you overcome? What's your testimony? What's the the power of God in the midst of your weakness? And then Paul says this powerful thing in verse 10. So I'm going to actually take pleasure. Wait a minute. You're going to take pleasure in infirmity? That is crazy. You're going to take pleasure in weakness? Yeah. Yeah. Guess what else we'll take pleasure in? Reproaches, needs, persecution, distress. Why? For Christ's sake, because guess who went through it? Jesus did. And if we're gonna walk in the power of his resurrection, we have to walk in the likeness of his death and his suffering. And so Paul says, I actually take pleasure. So are you in need right now? Take pleasure. Are you in distress? Take pleasure. Are you in reproach? Take pleasure. Are you battling infirmity? Take pleasure. Why? When you are weak, guess who's strong? You can do it. I'm telling you right now. I've had to do it. Pneumonias, hospital, death, hurricanes, hardships, whatever it is. You can do it. People personally, I've been called a cult leader. People don't like the supernatural. They don't like the move of God. They don't understand. I don't care. Especially when I had my long hair. I didn't even care when I have my long hair. I only cut my long hair because my wife's like, okay, it's gotta go now. And I'm like, all right, it's a new day. Let's cut it off. And then after I cut it off, she starts looking at the pictures of my long hair. She goes, what was I ever thinking? I'm like, wow. Anyway, she still loves me just the same. So you're, you're, when you're weak, God's strong. You know, I get it. I was taught in school the survival of the fittest. Darwin. This understanding that only the strong survive, the survival of the fittest, do you know what it is in the kingdom? It's the survival of the weakest. The, the weak are the strong. It's absolutely opposite of the survival of the fittest. Romans eight twenty six. Who helps you when you're weak? Everybody say, the Holy Spirit. Who helps you when you're weak? The Holy Spirit. And let me tell you how the Holy Spirit helps. You don't know how to pray as you ought to, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, makes intercession for you with groanings that cannot be uttered. Let me tell you what's happened to me in these times and what's happened to me long before now. This thing rises up inside of me. I start thinking about people dying and the hurting and the broken. I'll even start thinking about my own weakness or my own shortcomings and failures. And inside of me, this brokenness thing happens. And I begin to wail and weep and travail and start to cry out to heaven with the Holy Spirit in ways that I've never cried out before. And I'll literally groan a word. There's not even a word for it. It's a groaning of the Holy Spirit inside of me. And I want to challenge you guys to let that start happening because you're going to connect with God in a new way. And it really happens when I begin to get alone with him and I start to process and bear the burdens together that he's bearing. I say to the Lord often, Lord, show me what you're feeling right now. How are you today? I'll get with God instead of just complaining and pouring out my heart and all the stuff that's on my agenda. What if you got together with God and you asked him what's on his agenda? What if you ask him how he's feeling, and you begin to feel the weight and the burden, and then the Holy Spirit begins to come inside of you? Because if you're in distresses, reproaches, you lost your job, you don't know how you're going to pay your next bills. Number one, get some help and ask for it. There's people with resources and money, and God's God's not going to let His people falter. Even David said, "I've never seen the righteous beg or forsaken, bread, beg for bread or forsaken." You're going to make it. You're going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Mark my words. And so Paul says, look, you need the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, I need the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, help me, please. I'm desperate. I'm weak. Show me your strength and your power. Check out Psalm 91, verse 3. Surely he'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the, notice this word, perilous pestilence. The dangerous pestilence. Check out 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, so we're not surprised if we read our Bible that in the last days, perilous times or times of stress, they will come. Hardship, adversity, and peril, yes, they're going to come. But what matters the most is what you do with it when it comes. Do you take it and internalize it and process it and spin it around in your head and worry and meditate on what the world's saying and what the noisy pestilence is saying? Or do you listen to God's voice and stay rested and stay firm and let the power of His strength, the confidence of His strength, rule and reign inside your heart in the midst of brokenness and even uncertainty? And it doesn't mean sometimes I don't find fear knocking on my door and the what-ifs and the wonders, but I now have an answer of how to fight it And after fighting it long enough, I've learned it actually works. And even if the answer didn't come the way I thought it should have come, I still know it works because I understand eternity. You have to understand eternity. I'll leave you with this last scripture. Romans 8.35 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I want you to watch this. Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword... The answer is no. Nothing will separate you from the love of Christ. He loves you dearly. And he's chasing after you. No matter how much you bombed it and blew it and you said, you know, I've been so jacked up. I'm living a life of sin. I've rejected him. I've walked away from him. Let me tell you God's answer to that. Just in case you forgot. It's called the cross. That's why Romans chapter 5, while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. In the midst of your darkest hour, Jesus is on the cross giving his life for you. Still today. The blood was shed for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. There's forgiveness for your sin yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And that's why the cross is so powerful. You need to come to the cross. And you need to understand that Jesus loves you so much that he gave his life for you and shed his blood for you for such a time as this. It's time to turn away. It's time for you to understand nothing's gonna separate you from his love. He loves you. And he wants to rescue you and save you and comfort you and strengthen you and keep you on the path that you're supposed to be on. I've learned this for myself. 28 years ago, I didn't get a religion. I didn't just get a religion because I went to prison. People said to me, well, you just gave your life because you, you only gave your life to Jesus. You got saved. You found Jesus in prison. And that's the only reason. You know what I say to that? Yes, I did, and thank God for prison. Because if it wasn't for prison, I'd be dead, or I would have killed somebody else, or I would have done so many destructive things, or I'd still be in prison to this day if it wasn't for when I finally got busted. And it was in prison I met some of the most strongest Christians that discipled me and mentored me and led me to understanding God's word. There are people that are freer behind walls tonight in prison than, there, than those that are outside of the prison walls. Some of you may have been stuck in a prison of fear and worry and addiction and hurt and brokenness and anger and unforgiveness and bitterness and the loss of a family member and a loved one, whatever it is. And you're angry at God and you're just locked in and you don't know how to get out. And I'm here to be a voice of truth, a clarion sound and a clarion call of truth to let you know that just as Jesus rescued me right in that same spot, he can rescue you right now. And I want to remind everybody to understand that peril is a beautiful thing when you see it the right way. Hardship and darkness can bring Jesus even closer than we've ever known or seen before. I challenge you to respond the right way. So right now I want to pray for those of you that are at home, that do not know Jesus, and I want to ask you to say this prayer with me and give your life to Jesus right now, right where you're at. I'm telling you, we're going to pray the most powerful prayer. It's not going to be some weird religious thing. It's going to be real and authentic. And if you're at your end, remember, your end is His beginning. My end was His beginning. Let's pray. Say this prayer with me. Jesus, I ask for help. God, God, I, I need you more than I've ever needed you before. I'm sorry, Lord, for going my own way and doing my own thing. I'm sorry, Lord, for the failures and mistakes and the hurts and pains that I've caused others and my own self and the injustices that I've done to you. I'm sorry for believing lies about you, things that I didn't know. And I ask that, God, you would show me who you really are right now. I need you more than I've ever needed you before, God. And I ask that you would rescue me, save me protect me, deliver me from my own self and all the lies of the enemy against my life. I'm sorry, Jesus, for what I've done. And I grab hold of the blood that's shed on the cross. And I grab hold of the mercy and the forgiveness that was given that day on the cross. And I ask, Lord, that you would come into my life and live inside of me, direct me, guide me, and be my Lord. Jesus, be my Lord. I confess you as the Lord of my life. I don't want any other... I don't want any idolatry. I don't want any more distraction. I'm asking you, Lord, to have mercy, to dwell in me, and to change me on the inside. Change me on the inside, God. Change me from the inside out. Change my heart, Lord. Change my heart, God. Have mercy on me, a sinner, Lord. Change my life, God. I don't want to live the same anymore. And I ask that you come and rescue me. Send family, send friends, and give me a hunger and thirst for your word and help me to understand it and to worship you with truth and your spirit. And I thank you for that. And for those of you that have wandered away that you knew the Lord or you got sidetracked, fallen into fear, let's pray this. Jesus, I don't want to be afraid. And I'm sorry, Lord, for believing a false gospel. I know that hardship persecution and peril can come, but I also know that you can rescue me out of it no matter when I face it. And so I trust you in this hardship, Lord. I'm sorry for being angry and mad and worrying and doubtful and afraid. And I confess again that you're Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. Be the Lord of my life. Show me what that looks like. And in the midst of all the odds being against me right now, Lord, show yourself strong. I'm weak, God. I am weak, but you are strong. So I will boast in my weakness so that I can prove your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah! Woo! I felt you guys pray that prayer. And if you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you guys to send us a message, post a comment, shout it from the rooftops. And if you need something, please let us know. Let us know how we can pray for you. Dial into our Facebook account dial into our YouTube account. We've got prayer going on night and day, two times a day, daily devotions, city pastors. We're reaching out as best we can, and I want to challenge you guys to get connected and stay fired up, and I want to remind you, if you have the means and the ability to help us during this time financially, remember there's multiple ways that you can give. Text, you can give on our website, or you could send in a check. I'm not doing this for the money. I trust God but if you have the ability to help do it. And if you gave your life to Jesus tonight, or this message impacted you anyway, we'd love to hear your feedback. I love you. I'm praying for you. Until we meet again, dial into our Facebooks, because we'll be praying tomorrow at 3.33. But until the next next live feed on Sunday, I got one thing I want to say, and I say it every time. You better stay fired up. Yeah!